Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Torch. I'm Jake. And I'm Kimberly. And today, our guest is Roseanne Higgins, president and founder of SPIES, Single Professional Introductions for the Especially Selective. Welcome, Roseanne. Thank you very much, Kimberly and Jake. You are welcome. So I'm going to read you Roseanne's very impressive biography so everyone can get to know her a little bit better because I know even though I've known you for a few months now, I learned a lot. So Roseanne is from a small town in Lincoln, Illinois, and she attended Xavier and Sunnyslope High School. She went to Plaza 3 Modeling and Talent Agency in Phoenix and then joined the U.S. Navy. She did 10 years of active duty and six in the active reserve in Spain, Florida, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., Washington State, Alameda and San Diego, Athens, Georgia, and was a Radio Man Chief Petty Officer. She was selected Sailor of the Year, was an expert pistol and rifle marksman, held a top-secret security clearance, was a flag bearer in the dedication ceremony for the U.S. Navy Memorial, and served on the inaugural committee for President George H.W. Bush. After earning a degree in political science at George Washington University, she received a commission as a naval officer. She did a congressional internship on the U.S. House Armed Services Committee. After active duty and a stint in advertising sales, she moved back to Phoenix in 1994, created the first romance headhunting firm in the United States called Spies, Single Professional Introductions for the Especially Selective. Roseanne is hired to go to all the right places and to find and get to know people her clients might fall in love with. Because of the amount of details she matches with each introduction and because of her intuition, 74 people have fallen in love with their first introductions. 176 have married with less than 4% divorce rate. Her most recent couple was engaged in Napa a couple of months ago, and her newest baby by one of the Spies Happy Couples was born in January. Spies was voted Best Matchmaker in 2019 in Best of Our Valley, and Spies has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Welcome, Roseanne. Hey, welcome. That's such a great biography. <laughs> it was a great finish with the BBB. Yes, yeah. it's a nice little plug, isn't it? No one knows most of the stuff you read, so I'm kind of surprised this is the bio that you found, and it's... A, I'm like living my whole life listening to you. It's so fascinating. So right off the bat, we want to know um, what brought you to Phoenix? What brought you and your family to Phoenix? My dad had crippling arthritis in Illinois, mm-hmm. and the doctors told him that his knees would last 10 years longer if he lived in the sunshine. So we moved when I was 14 years old to Arizona. Okay. Away from a small town where you knew everybody and all your family was there to where we knew nobody and I'd never gone to a public school. So I went to Xavier first, Mm -hmm. as you said, Mm -hmm. and then um, we didn't have enough money to afford Xavier. Mm -hmm. Even though I worked at the convent and put in extra hours trying to work off the tuition, Mm -hmm. uh, they sent me to my first public school and Sunny Slope has a really good reputation now. And uh, people were nice, and um, I figured it out. After high school, you got into modeling? People said because I was so tall, I should go to get into modeling, and I'm, like, looking at them going, hmm. I was a class ugly in grade school, didn't really see that as a the trajectory that I was on, but I started growing my hair out after the eighth grade. I expressed my independence and said, no, I will not have a pixie. <laughs> and um, because I'm six foot, People said, yeah, you should try it. So I went and learned how to walk and how to sit. And it paid off in Navy boot camp because they said when I was marching, I could hear the company commander say, she glides. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Yes, yes. And they chose me as the first leader. 
Wow. Okay. So how did you go from modeling into the military? My first love I met at the Grand Canyon during Youth Conservation Corps. Mm-hmm. We spent two months up there working, and it was a, they selected 33 students from across the state of Arizona. And unfortunately, the program isn't around, but I think they're I think there's a different type of of service where you can go service our national parks Mm -hmm. as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And it was my first real independence being away from my parents. And it was it was just glorious. And the most handsome guy in camp was interested in me. And I was just like looking behind (laughs) me going, who's he looking at? And um and it was me. And I had my first kiss on the rim of the Grand Canyon. Wow. That's, that's special. A pretty good story. Yes, that's a really good one. And But he said that the traumatic words I will never forget, you've never kissed before, have you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. And I was sheltered. My parents never let us watch TV except for like Lawrence Welk and things mm-hmm. that they watched. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know you were supposed to open your lips. <laughs> So um, we watched the moon come up and, and, you know, an agonizing time later, had that first daunting kiss and uh, memorable. Um, But at least I was at the most beautiful place in the world. Oh, yeah. And he, um, I got in touch with him or he got in touch with me when he came back into town after high school and said he'd join the Navy. And I'd already gone to see a recruiter because I moved out in the middle of my junior year of high school. My parents were really strict, my dad. And I started supporting myself for the last year of high school. Mm -hmm. I got out early. Mm -hmm. And he had joined the Navy. And my roommates had said, you should join the Air Force. You could travel the world. And I'm like, ooh, nobody's ever mentioned the opportunity to travel the world before. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the recruiters at Christown Mall. Mm-hmm. But the Navy didn't. They had two job descriptions for the Navy and the Air Force. The Navy had radio men. The Air Force had radio operator. And the radio men descrip- description sounded like more training, more interesting. Mm-hmm. So, But they didn't need me for nine months. And when you're a teenager, that seems like an eternity. Right. You know, it's a school year. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'll think about it. And so then... This guy comes back into town. I'm not saying his name on, on the air on purpose um, <laughs> because of that, that traumatic kiss. Right. And, uh, it he knows who he is. It wasn't his fault. It was it was all me, baby. <laughs> uh, but I've gotten better. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he brought me to his recruiters in Scottsdale, and they took me to El Conquistador for lunch, which is no longer here. Mm-hmm. But you can if you take me to um, seafood, Mexican food, for lunch, you pretty much can ask me a big favor, and I'll probably say yes. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Noted. <laughs> Seafood or Mexican food is yes. the key to Roseanne's heart. <laughs> yeah, and we have a lot of those restaurants here. So mm-hmm. I was like, where do I sign? They said they'd help me get my GED. Wonderful. And I had one quarter cre- credit left to graduate, and um, I got it all done in one day. And I asked to go to Spain, and they said there's no guarantees. But because I finished a school in California, Radioman School, too quickly, they didn't have orders for me, and somebody had suggested I take Morse Code School. And so um, I went to Morse Code School, and that qualified me for this billet opening in Rota, Spain. And I got to live there for three years. Wow, my no dream. Kidding. Yeah, and I lived on the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. As a 19 year old on the beach. And it fulfilled that, that promise of traveling the yes, world, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, so when did you go to George Washington University then? Let me see. How did that all work? I started college in Spain. Um, I never had thought of taking a class, but the Navy gave you 75% of your tuition. And so I took um, aviation ground school, Mm -hmm. and I got an A. 
at with A minus, let's be honest. And uh, <laughs> when I'm making an introduction, I'm always super, super honest. So yeah. If she's an A or an A minus, I'm going to tell you the difference. Right. And and so um, then I took two classes the next semester, and I got A's in them. And then I got transferred to Florida. So that was at University of Maryland, European Division. Then mm-hmm. Florida, I went to Gulf Coast Community College. Then I got off active duty and um, got accepted to Mills College because Berkeley didn't take mid-year admissions, they recommended Mills, Mm. an all-women's college. Mm -hmm. Mills sent me to American University for the Washington semester program where I did the congressional internship, Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't take honor students from across the country the following semester because our colleges were spending scholarship money to send us there. Mm -hmm. So I had to find a new home. So I applied to Georgetown and GW. Georgetown said you had to do two years in-house to get their degree, and I'd already done three. And I was like, there's no way I want to do five, you know, Mm -mm. for a four-year degree. Right. So um, GW said, we'll take you if you do an extra summer school class. And I'm like, done. So that's how I did it. I love it. And political science. That's my degree. We have so much in common. We, we got so a hang girlfriend. in common, Roseanne. I knew I liked you, you the moment I met you. You have incredible spirit. It, thank you. It, anybody who meets you has just got to see it and feel it instantly. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing some of your history with us. I love it. So you get your degree in political science. And you say you have a, a, a quick stint in advertising. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Okay. There's a company called Marcoa Publishing. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen an ad. And what's funny is the first time I went to apply for the job, they said, no, thanks. <laughs> and so I don't know. Um, I was still looking maybe a month or two later and saw the same ad. And I'm like, you just don't understand. I'd be perfect for this job. <laughs> and <laughs> You just don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been in the Navy and all these assignments. And, and they sell aver- or they, they publish uh, at the time before Google. Um, welcome aboard guides for every military base. And they had like the huge, like 80% or more of the market of military bases where they send you a book before you get stationed there with all the information you need about your new duty assignment, the base telephone directory, you know, how to check in your records when you arrive to the base, a base map. And um, I got to sell advertising in the back and I learned how to sell. I didn't know how to sell. I went to my first sales training seminar with Tom Hopkins, but I didn't realize anything about the assumptive close or leading people to a yes or Mm. getting the yes momentum. It's so interesting for me to think of you as like a a salesperson, right? Because you're so, you're so um, nice and welcoming, right? So I would never like sort of associate that sort of like pressure kind of. That's the best type of salesperson though, isn't it? Oh yeah. I didn't know until I got promoted to sales manager and it was still commission only. I had commission only for three years, but I was making close to six figures, which is crazy because I was coming from like mid thirties in the Navy. How did you like that job? Um, I loved it. And some of the same things that I did in that I do today. Um, preparing for the next day at the end of the evening, mm. planning who am I going to call on mm-hmm. and who are, who's really likely to want to buy an ad from me mm-hmm. and seeing what else they've done in the community or what else they've advertised in. Because if, they, if they've advertised in one place, they're likely to want to buy an ad in another place because they 
they understand the value of advertising, just mm-hmm. like a BBB membership. Mm-hmm. If somebody's active in local first, they're probably going to want a BBB membership. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my thinking Great. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And, and, and vice versa. You finish your job in advertising, mm-hmm. and that's on the oh, East Coast. Oh, and I faxed it. No, it was in Washington State. Mm-hmm. So I was visiting my parents for their 40th wedding anniversary. I come from the land of happily ever afters. Mm-hmm. Everybody stays married. So all my parents, uh, all my parents, huh? my parents <laughs> and my aunts, all my aunts and uncles stayed married. So I that that draws me to the cause of love mm-hmm. that lasts. And my parents were celebrating their 40th, and the weather was just so beautifully sunny here. And I'm just like, God, I'm sick of the rain, you know? And I, I'm just going to move. So I went to Kinko's in Tempe, and I faxed in a written resignation saying, thank you for helping me learn that I could make more money than I ever dreamed of. And I am uh, tendering my my resignation. This will be my last project. Um, I'm moving to Phoenix. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. This is like a movie, isn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. like a lot of bold moves here, and she's just like, oh, that's it, like a scene from a movie. You should have seen me driving a 26-foot U-Haul with all of my personal belongings and my Toyota Celica on a car carrier on the back of it down <laughs> Highway 5. And then I remember getting out for gas, and I was meeting somebody for lunch at the Chart House in... Uh, is it La Jolla? It's in that mm-hmm. area, Del Mar, mm-hmm. La Jolla. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's on the water. And I park it because it's so big on the side of the highway across the street. Because it's it's not really a highway. It's a <laughs> right. street. Yeah. Right. It's not like, you know, a real highway. And um, I get out and I, I'm like, I got to have somebody take a picture of this because I'm in a <laughs> silk two-piece short set, you know, and um, coming out of this humongous diesel-powered truck. And then when I'd, I'd pull into a gas station... A uh, place that begins with a C in California. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know. Truckers go there. And so I know these truckers were looking at me, me, this girl getting out of the car, truck, to um, pump, pump gas. And I know they're waiting for the man to come out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is a one-woman show right here. Just saying. Keep waiting. I love it. That's yeah. so awesome. So you you get to Phoenix and, and you- In 93, yeah. In 93. And- you are sort of inspired by all of these people in your life that are sort of like still like committed to each other, you yes, know, lifelong. Yes. But that isn't exactly how it led me to matchmaking. Okay, so so what kind of what were the ingredients that went into to you kind of deciding this okay. is what I want to do? I'm on the edge of my seat right now, <laughs> you guys. I got to lean in here. I well, I had a history. People always ask, "Have you got a history? Did you match couples before?" And um, I matched one not meaning to do it in Spain, and they were married 25 years. But that was like a random, I cannot claim credit really, even though they gave it to me. I'm always touched into different places. The The degree in poli-sci really paid off for me when I studied how John F. Lehman Jr. created strategic home porting. And I had to do a paper on it for my thesis mm. at American University. And I was an intern at the House Armed Services Committee, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and the Readiness Subcommittee, which seemed a natural fit due to the Navy Reserve where I was serving. Mm-hmm. And um, I got access to admirals at the Pentagon and did research with GAO, the General Accounting Office, and uh, OMB, Office of Management and Budget. Mm-hmm. and. I researched every single district that a new home port or a growth in a home port was being scheduled. 
And I like plotted them on a map. Then I got the Congressional Quarterly Weekly Report, and I wrote down all the names of the senators and representatives from the districts that were being affected. Then I did a cross-comparison to their positions in the Senate and the House, and I found that he had selected the chair or subcommittee chairs for every influential committee person affecting armed forces, budgeting, and appropriations. And I'm like, what a brilliant dude. Yeah. That helped me see for matchmaking that I need to know the lawyers. I need to know the doctors. I need to know the teachers. I need to know the, the hairstylists because even the hairstylists are making six figures now. You know, they are, they, they are professionals. Yeah. So like John F. Lehman painted the canvas for all these different offshoots for making sure he had the votes to authorize everything that the Navy needed, I need to have as many tentacles in the water as I can from good people from every different type of community in this fifth largest city in the country so that I can find one in a millions that are going to fall in love with my clients. Whoa, that sounds very complicated. Connecting the dots, I, I imagine a lot of Venn diagrams like on in the your walls. office. Yeah, yes. I have never explained it like this, and I really thank John F. Lehman Jr. for it. How did you get to starting Spies? Okay, I started looking into it for four months. I had focus groups. I gathered all my single girlfriends that I knew guys would love to date in one focus group, and I gathered the single guys that were accomplished that could possibly afford hiring me in another group, and I said, okay, what do you guys want me to design in a service? Mm-hmm. And the guy said, we've got to see recent full-length pictures. And this is back in the days of 976 Babe, you know, mm. where you had to pay $1.99 a minute to talk to somebody who you haven't seen a picture of. And and you just, it was just crazy expensive. Three of my most beautiful single girlfriends, Roseanne, and they said they'd never join a service. That helped me create the concept of romance headhunting. Because if you aren't willing to pay for something, you still might be a great match for one of my clients. And that would make me different and better than anybody else if I could go out and find the exact girl of your dreams, and she's walking up for popcorn at the movie theater. I researched everything from dating service, matchmaking, divorce, singles, relationships. I mean, I went to meet with the City of Phoenix, the Department of Economic Security, to learn the population statistics. I called the U.S. Census Bureau in Washington, D.C. to see how many single widow divorced people were in Maricopa County. And I talked to the marital statistics branch lead at the time. They now gather less information than they used to, but they knew. I knew that there were about 738,000 single widowed and divorced men and women in Maricopa County over the age of 18. So I Almost a million? Yes. I mean, back in 1994. Wow. And the largest, and I, oh, and I researched, I went to every single dating service in existence here, and none of them are still here. Um, um, But I wanted to find out what niches had they found and how did they do their marketing. And I still wasn't convinced I was going to start one, and I was single. One of them said they did an HIV test, and that should be the reason that I hired them. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'd heard that if you did an HIV test, whatever you've done last week won't show up on it. So the value of that seems diminishing and scary. And to be scared into dating someone because they passed a blood test seems very off balance for finding love that lasts the rest of my life. Then they said they'd send my video to every one of their members. And I'm like, every one of them? Even if I don't match? Even the 60-year-old, because I was 34, you know, or the guy who's not interested in physical fitness at all because I've always been a runner and a hiker. I was on the cross-country team and the crew team in college. Mm. And... um 
it, it, I did a ton of homework, so as anybody should before starting a business. I remember going into the SCORE office way back then. SCORE mm. has become so much better. But back then in 1994, I met with a gentleman who is def- it's Service Corps retired executive. So this man, he said that he'd been married for over 30, 40 years. And he said, honey, I don't even know how to av- help you with your marketing. And I'm just like, but wait a minute. Aren't you a businessman? Yeah, you're supposed to be here as a resource for me. And And not that... He wasn't trying to be a resource, but he closed his mind so that he could not use his marketing savvy that he would have about any other business to apply it to my business because he couldn't break out of his box. And I needed box breakers. A guy named Tony Musia, PhD, here's a a recommendation for the Small Business Development Center, the SBDC. Here's one of their counselors, and he was advising me on marketing. He says, I teach an MBA marketing class at Western International University. I'd like to invite you out, and you can share your entire pitch with my students and see if they have any ideas. So I go to the class, and I tell them everything. And they said, we don't have a lot of time left to advise you, Roseanne, but here are the top two things. First one was, if you provide more service than anybody else does, you should be charging a premium, not trying to undercut them with price. And I'm like, really? Are you messing with me? You know, I'm thinking inside because I don't know. What if they're Mm -hmm, wrong? mm -hmm. You know, what do I know? They said, I said, well, how much? They said five times as much. So the next client I um, sat down with who is ready to write out a check, has their check out. And they said, how much? And I said, two. And I know they knew I didn't mean hundred. And they write out this check for $2,000. I now charge a significant amount more than that. Uh, in the many multiples, mm-hmm. and um, and half of it's up front, and half of it is a finder's fee. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's an incentive for me to mm-hmm. deliver mm-hmm. on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they also said one other point: if you charge more, you'll your service will be perceived as a premium service. You will attract a higher clientele, and you'll get more PR as a result of it. So I've had over 250 radio, television, newspaper, magazine, and now online interviews. And this one, this is my newest one to add. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Wow. You're so resourceful. I'm just like, I'm amazed because this is like the perfect example. I mean, you went to a SCORE mentor. You went to the SBDC. You do all your own research. You've done your own focus groups. You're going to give pitches and get feedback. And um, a lot of this was in the 90s before the Internet, like you said. This is a commitment. And your name is is your word. You know, your word is your bond. And if I was going to pledge to somebody and make this a business, um, I needed to make sure that I had done due diligence, that there was a need for matchmaking. And I combined matchmaking and executive search to create romance headhunting. So from an entrepreneurship standpoint, starting your business, getting it off the ground, what were um, sort of curveballs thrown your way or what were what were challenges that you had to overcome? Because a lot of people starting businesses, they, they face that, right? Whether or not it, it comes to challenges finding investment or, or developing um, an infrastructure for how they're going to operate. What were those challenges for you? I remember I'd get shut down so fast by people because it was too new and nobody understood it. Mm-hmm. Now that there are TV shows of reality dating, people are starting to understand the value of hiring somebody who might be an expert and be well-connected and do the vetting for you when you don't have the time or the access. Mm-hmm. So, so you so had to education, a, uh, yes, yeah. education and patience and diligence and never given up because the first few, few years were definitely lean. 
and a lot of businesses go out of business, but I'm so committed. And one of my mottos has been, you can tell me I can't, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> one guy told me that I didn't have the communication skills, but that's because I stopped dating him, I think. <laughs> 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 and then he later on, um, he wrote me a letter saying he really wanted me to forgive him for the unkind words at the time and um, that he had seen the success of my company. So you have to have complete belief that what you're doing matters and that the people that you can help, it will make a difference in their lives forever or for whatever mission you're on. You were a finalist for BBB's 2015 Torch Wars for Ethics. Um, and with, especially with an industry that deals a lot with, with, with privacy, what are the business practices that led to the honor of being a finalist for an award for ethics? I have to provide excellence in my service. And word gets around every single introduction matters. My reputation is on the line when he shows up and she shows up. I want them to look at each other and have this connection and this knowing and this this gratefulness for knowing this wonderful girl named Roseanne who told you so much about this great guy or this great girl. And, and you have this ease of walking in and smiling at each other and your first date is just off the charts and it's three to five hours. So in order to do that, I have to, from the get-go, be as open as I can about what I can and can't do. I've had calls from the prison. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm afraid to turn them down just in case you know, what crime did <laughs> yeah. they commit um, and who do they know on the outside. Um, so I'm always going to be kind when I say I'm sorry. It would be very difficult to introduce you based on your location. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, um, if, if somebody is mean to me, I had a dentist be mean. And I, I, you got to pay attention to your gut. I could just take the money. And somebody would heard that I didn't. Just because somebody wants to hand me money to do this service, this is why it's hard to scale. Because a lot of services um, that are national have to close offices because the person they get is making promises that can't be delivered mm -hmm. or whatever it is they're doing. I, I'm not inside their inner circle to know what happens in those scenarios. But I know that it's hard not to take money. And I know that you need to make a living and pay your bills. And I'd rather be... Uh, poor um, or poorer um, without somebody's revenue if they're unkind. Because if you're unkind to the go-between, if you're unkind to the magic maker, then you're going to be even worse to somebody I would introduce you to inside of a relationship. You know, if you're going to be nice to someone, you better start with me. Mm -hmm. And because um, I'm going to listen for it. I'm going to listen and, and basically I'm on the front of you're going to you are a nice person if you've had the courage to call me on the phone because this really matters to you and you're willing to unveil your soul in order to make this happen with a complete stranger and hopefully you've heard somewhere that I'm nice and you get to judge for yourself during that discovery call do do we get along and would the person you'd like to date enjoy their conversation with me about you and if you can get that sense then this could be a very trusted source for you I'm going to tell you in advance if this is a good decision for you. And one woman called me recently and said she'd left somebody's high-pressure sales um, from, a, from the industry. And I, I said, uh, tell me about yourself. And she said she was 62 and she was heavyset. She didn't say she was heavyset, but she weighed close to 200. And I said, I would love to know you. 
you send me your information, but I will tell you I can't make any promises. And I do know that most of the men that have hired me over the course of 25 years, there's only been five exceptions where they prefer women with a slender waistline. And if this service did not tell you that, not in an intention to hurt your feelings, but in an intention to be honest with you about what their possibilities are for you before you spend a dime, then they're not in integrity with you. Can you talk about how you built your your customer base um, and in turn how does that how does confidentiality affect matchmaking like when do you show your cards luckily some of my guys are in YPO and EO and um, WPO you know the president's organizations and um, I've I've had a booth at the state bar conference you know mm-hmm. and and I've had a booth at Barrett Jackson and a girl told me uh, at the end of the evening, she says, Roseanne, you know, these guys aren't going to stop at your booth because everybody here knows everybody in the horse community. And I'm like, oh, she says, but keep your cards out. And um, the, what will happen is the guys will kind of go by when nobody's looking and just kind of grab one and go <laughs> Slowly, on. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happened. And um, Why the, is that, though? Why are people so kind of ashamed I of know. their... I know. What's girl, the stigma? One girl told me, the girl that married the guy, the Deer, Deer Valley Resort um, uh, girl that uh, I would see, the quirky girl, um, she said, Roseanne, I don't know why, but there's still a little bit of shame to it. And sometimes it was so easy. I forget you introduced us. And I'm like, you forget? You know, and plus she's she wrote this awesome um, poet poem, two-year anniversary poem on Instagram. But she doesn't say thanks to Roseanne Higgins, you know. Um, it, it, but it was an awesome poem dedicated to the loving man that she married mm-hmm. and how he brings out the best in her. Um, but with such privacy, I can't go on there and say, and if anybody else wants a guy like him, <laughs> contact Roseanne yeah, Higgins because yeah. mm-hmm. I know them and he and he was one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to trust me that I'm not going to do that. And it's written in my contract that there's mm-hmm. confidentiality clause so that you feel safe. To Jake's question, though, what's the stigma, do you think? You know what it is? It's like a high school thing. If people are resistant to this, it's the click thing. It's the, well, what will other people think thing? If you're a CEO of a company and you have all of these business colleagues, they don't need to know your personal business. So when Fox News calls and says, hey, Roseanne, we heard you do this romance headhunting and that you have this incredible success rate. Can you get us one of your couples? I'm like, oh, I'll try. <laughs> you know, I, I will call and I will call and I will call. But most of them hire me because of the privacy. And they don't want everybody else knowing their business. Some of my guys aren't even on Facebook. You know, they're definitely not on Bumble. They're definitely not on Tinder. They're definitely not on Match.com. And um, they want they want a higher degree of discretion and screening for what they're looking for because they're not going to, if they've been divorced, they're not going to do that again and lose half their money. So my divorce rate of being under 4%, I'm saving these guys millions of dollars. So to spend 25 or half of that to hire me currently, I've been told I should charge more um, for the search, is, is pennies compared to what they could lose if they make another divorce in their future happen. How is it with the U.S. divorce rate at 53 percent, SPY's divorce rate is under 4 percent? Well, first, I used to get surprised when people would tell me in two weeks that I would marry this man. And I'm like, I remember when the first girl did it, she says if he asked her to marry him tomorrow, she'd say yes. And I said, "Um, as SPY's, I would love another success story. And he is a great guy. But as your girlfriend, because I become friends with these people, I said, are you nuts? And she said, just tell me why not. 
And I'm just like, uh, two weeks. <laughs> Not enough time. But you know what? I have found, I just talked to a guy two days ago. His first date was Friday. Second date was Saturday. Third date was Sunday. And he said, we are both so smitten. And we've talked, you know, nonstop and maybe more. And um, and I don't need to know the details. La, 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 la. And, um, and they have chemistry. And they, they both are emotionally ready. They both know who they are, what they want, and what they don't want. And they both want to be a good partner and make this work. So one lives in Mesa, one lives in Scottsdale, and they're already having the conversations of how that would work in the long run, which is like after one weekend, you know, I want to see it. I want to see them go through things before mm-hmm. they have it down. But um, um, I've learned that when you are ready, that helps your relationship success because it, 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 it it's a priority you're looking at how you are inside of the partnership. You're looking at how the other person is with open eyes. You're hopefully consulting previous decisions you've made that were not so good because they might have been a pattern and you did it again and again and again. Mm. And this time you are really on it and paying attention to all of the signs and you're giving more of yourself and opening your heart up more. So that helps the success rate of my couples. Also, that they, I'm introducing people that would never meet each other. They're probably not on Bumble or Tinder or all these other sites. Um, or if they were, they were on it for a nanosecond because the girls that I introduced, they get hit on even when I'm standing with them at a coffee shop. You know, I went to Barrett Jackson with a girl and two guys came up to us. One of them was just so rude. He says, I want to meet your girlfriend. And I'm like, hey, you have to go through me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you want to meet my girlfriend. Um, and... Um, let me see. Why else are they successful? The amount of information that I make a person go through to discover what a man is looking for and what they bring to the table and what their deal breakers are and what their worst traits are and what their values and interests are and where are they at income wise and do they care where she's at and how many kids do they have or want to have and how many do uh, does the person that they're looking for how many can they have what are their religious preferences so much there's this there's nobody vets as much information in the entire matchmaking industry as I do at spies Mm -hmm. and we are it's we are on the lookout for the love of your life we're very diligent about it your hearts are in our hands and if you're going to fall in love I want to make sure that your first date is stacked in your favor and that I vetted out something that you might not have seen for three months and saved you these these serial dating you know debacles that everybody does and um, and and you both get to meet somebody who's genuinely ready for the kind of relationship that you are and you know so much what I hear back in the last few weeks, it's some of them, it's just like I always hear, are you sure you're not reading my profile to me, Roseanne? Because that sounds like what I wrote. And I'm like, I know, right? Wow. So what you're providing is you're basically proving or you're disproving the business model in some sense of some of these tech companies that have specific algorithms and their techno- technological platforms, right, that do have some success. But basically, your business is betting on the fact that even though those can maybe do it at scale for millions of people, you have a higher success rate because of the personal element. And you can screen for things that like a robot or artificial intelligence wouldn't be able to screen for. But that also means you're limited as a businesswoman. So you can only take on. Bandwidth. Yeah, your bandwidth is limited. So that's probably a pro and a con for you and your clients. So how do you 
know when you're reaching your bandwidth? Do you have a set number of clients you can take? Good question. I can do up to 40 active searches, but I'm also looking for an assistant right now. Mm. And um, usually about half of them are in relationships seeing someone. So it's usually 20 active searches at any given time. And um, in the algorithms, what they don't tell you with those services, they tell you about how many marriages they've had, but they don't tell you how many divorces they've had. And they and, and there's the grass is greener marketing that is paying a lot of their revenues right now, which is, hey, if you like Sally, you might like Kirsten and, you know, Susie and, you know, Marion. And it's kind of impersonal if you think about it, because it's kind of like what happens when you buy something on Amazon. Right. It's like referring you to multiple other products. Yes, and that's yes. kind of gross to me because it makes people become products. You know what I mean? A commodity, yeah. Yes. And, and, and you might extend <clears throat> your membership another year. Yeah, and pay them money to do so. So I'm not, when I introduce someone, it'll, I'll have between five and 40 women to show them that are all greatly qualified, beautiful inside, and physically what they are asking me to find for them, and emotionally and values, everything. Do you crash at the end of the night? You have so much energy, and I'm the type of person who's an introverted extrovert, so I love going to events. I'm very... Yeah, I um, saw you at speak at Phoenix Startup Week yes. where you rocked. Thank you. Oh, my God. Your, your resources for small business owners, if anybody can get their hands on it, they definitely yes. need Kimberly. And you need her to come speak. Thank you. That's a very nice plug. You were at Jake's session, too. Yes. Right before that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yes, that one, too, is good. Yes, on video. Yes. 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 And it was awesome. And I need more help with video. I'm glad you came. We did, you. we did the tag teaming. But when I do events like that, I, I have decided in the last few years that I'm an introverted extrovert because I can do events all day. I can take personal meetings all day. I can go to a networking event at night. And then when I get home, I'm like crashed. Is that how you are? Or do you just always have this much energy? When I got home last night, I was thinking about how exhausted I was and how I did not feel like um, entering new things into the brand new QuickBooks version I got because I'm trying to be very disciplined as a business person. Good. And and I love the new QuickBooks. So thank you, QuickBooks, for getting easier. If Infusionsoft were, had, did the same thing, I would just be in heaven, too, for when I was using them. Um, <laughs> Good <laughs> shout out. And, and, yeah. Um, and um, um, do I get exhausted? I definitely need the eight hours of rest. Sometimes I get six. Sometimes I've pulled all-nighters because I have things that I just have to, I had to be at church to find a girl for one of my clients the next morning. And I was working till 3 a.m. And I knew that if I went to sleep at 3, that me being at the 9 a.m. service were very unoptimistic. Uh, and so I know my grammar is sucking on this. Really sorry about no, that. Okay, it's um, but um, uh, so I stayed up. I just pushed through because I can. And as an entrepreneur who loves what she does, um, which you should if you're an entrepreneur, Sometimes you just suck it up and push hard and you enjoy that it's something you get to make a decision on. That's awesome. That's perfect. Um, last question that I have is, if you could meet somebody living or dead, who would it be and why? I think I put three people. You did. Um, Give I, us only one, though. Only one. Well, see, I started thinking about, do I add Richard Branson to the group last Ooh, night? No one's no one's done that one yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, then then I was uh, Dalai Lama and God and, and Abraham Lincoln, because I'm from Lincoln, Illinois, were on my list. Yes, and but, we've had two people already choose Abraham Lincoln. Yay. And you're our 15th episode, so don't choose Lincoln. Yes, no. So Richard Branson, because of his creative mind and the interviews, he said he had his assistant 
for more than 25 years who is just completely loyal and committed to him. And the enthusiasm and tribes he builds on the Virgin Atlantic and different Virgin teams is just so aspirational. And in creating my company's core values, I looked at his core values that he set out for his company. I'm like, I really admire um, his mind and his ability to create and his lack of limits and his dream about space. He was the first, he bought the first uh, spacecraft by the uh, XPRIZE Foundation. Mm -hmm. That was their first XPRIZE crowd uh, project to create a private manned spacecraft. And Richard Branson bought it. Mm -hmm. And it just is fascinating to me. And uh, Peter Diamandis is the creator of the XPRIZE. Mm-hmm. He works sometimes with Joe Polish here in Scottsdale mm-hmm. uh, from I Love Money and the Genius, uh, I Love Money, <laughs> I Love Marketing, sorry, Joe, um, and, uh, and the Genius um, uh, Network. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everybody's like one or two degrees of separation. Yeah. And those guys know Richard. So put in a plug. Richard, yeah. you're my man. <laughs> I admire me. you. My name is Roseanne Higgins, in case you don't want to listen to the rest of the tape. <laughs> Reach out to her. Do you do you have any eligible bachelorettes in mind for Richard Branson? I think he's married. Is he? <laughs> I think he's married. I was just oh. thinking that too. That would be awkward. But uh, I think that Richard would be like a pro athlete. You know, if he were single, it just would be like two seconds before you know a thousand women volunteer. Mm-hmm. Right. Very but, true. Yeah. But if he wanted screening and beautiful women that have their act together, I'm your girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roseanne. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, it was a fun talk, full of stories. So good. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> you. Jake and I get so awkward at the end. We never know how to close the show. It takes a lot of editing. Jake and Kimberly, this has been one of the best, most fun interviews I've ever been on. And I've discussed things that I've never said before. And the bio you read is beyond what anybody said before. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. We loved hearing all of your stories and um, all of your enthusiasm and sharing your life history and your business history with us. It's been such a pleasure. I know we do a lot of interviews on the show about entrepreneurs and how they started their businesses, but I have to say Roseanne's story is truly unique. It's kind of amazing to look back on that moment of her first kiss, making that connection which propelled her into the Navy and seeing where it all went from there. With all the connections she's made throughout her career, all of the opportunities she said yes to, Roseanne just has so many stories to tell, and although the original recording of this episode was an hour and a half, believe it or not, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Roseanne, we'd love to have you back anytime. Thanks for the good conversation. Nominations for the 2019 BBB Torch Awards for Ethics are open, but not for very much longer. So, if you've dealt with a business this year that has met or even exceeded your expectations of service, if they have embodied all of the standards that BBB has set for the marketplace, you should help them to be recognized. You heard from Roseanne about everything she does with her business to deliver an exceptional experience to her clients. She's safeguarding her company's reputation by conducting herself with integrity, and she was recognized for exactly that when she was honored as a finalist at the 2015 BBB Torch Awards for Ethics. So, help us shine a light on businesses that do things the right way by nominating them today at torchawards.bbbcommunity.org. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please rate and review it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or requests, you can send them to the Torch Podcast at bbbcommunity.org, and we will get back to you. See you next time, folks. <laughs>